Oh, man. So much stuff going on this week. Uh, hey, what's up, gang? It's Mishka. Thanks for tuning in. The um, By the time you are hearing this podcast, um, Derek Sheen will have arrived from Seattle, Washington. And um, he and I are going to be doing a string of shows here. We're going to be up at... Blackbridge Brewery in Kingman, Arizona on Thursday the 17th. Uh, on November 18th, Friday, we're at my house in uh, my side yard in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, the 19th, we're going to be at Catalina Craft Pizza in Tucson. And then the 20th, we'll be at uh, my my road HQ, uh, the quarry in Bisbee, Arizona with uh, Christine Levine. Uh, the the incredible, um, and then I have a shitload of road shows coming up. The Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm doing a whole run with uh, my buddy Rad Pinkard. Uh, Omaha, Lincoln, Kansas City. Uh, another show in Lincoln. The Chicago, Indianapolis, Columbus. All kinds of good shit. The boy, I'm. I'm pooped today. If it sounds like I'm a little low energy, I went out to do uh, three miles with the dog and missed my turn and had to do five miles instead. And I'm getting getting old and fragile, and it tuckered me out. But um, and I have a ton of prep to do. Uh, picking up uh, Derek tomorrow. I'll try to get my car ready for the road. The try and get the house ready for guests uh, this Friday, and basically sort of getting ready to shut my place down. Um, for the winter, cause I'll be gone for a month and a half. Um, also if you missed the last episode, it turns out my, uh, my teeth are just, uh, crumbling into the ocean, like, uh, like sandcastles made by, uh, an innocent child. Uh, I have, I'm looking at, uh, I think, I think the, they quoted me 1368 to get my teeth fixed. So I am going to be selling a bunch of guitars, um, I just blew out the last of my uh, my LC Motorhead shirts. The if you have ever lusted for anything that I own, now is the time to hit me up for a discount price on it. Uh, Got to raise that money. Um, the podcast today, God, I don't know how I lured Derek Sheen uh, to come down here. I it tricked him into. Uh, Doing the podcast, I tricked him into performing at my house, and I tricked him into doing a whole little run with me. The I am wildly envious of his skills on stage. He just he just flows seamlessly from grief to hilarity. Um, it, it's no secret that a lot of comedy comes out of uh, trauma and grief and loss. I I, I don't know no one who. Uh, moves as smoothly from uh, the down arrow to the up arrow like Derek Sheen does. The, he, he really is just wildly gifted. One of those talents that I find both energizing and depressing because when I look at his work, I'm like, man, I still have so so much further to go in my own work. And also, I will never fucking get there. He is so good. Uh, this podcast was great. We just, uh, we just dropped into it immediately and it got, uh, real deep and real dark and real funny, real fast. Uh, 
this, yeah, I'm really proud of this one. Really, it's weird because it's sort of the closing in on a year of doing these podcasts, and I'm starting to wonder, like, oh, is it is it worth it keeping it going? The um, make no money, small listenership, and then I have conversations like this, which is exactly what I want to do. Um, anyway, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. If you have an extra buck to spare, please head over to uh, patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Sign up to uh, to help the podcast for less than a cup, uh, cup of coffee a month. <laughs> and uh, I'll send you a free thigh master. I know I won't. The, I'm not sending you anything. I do have stickers. I have stickers on my cat. Buy some merch. I'll send you some stickers if I remember to throw them in. Or the wrong size. They're awfully dainty, but so is my cat. Anyway, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Please enjoy this conversation with Derek Sheen. Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Derek, how are you, man? I'm great. How are you, Mishka? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm good. This week was a lot, and the I was just I was just thinking about you in the shower. And <laughs> I'll take it where I can. I'll take it where I can. Uh, just looking forward to this and feel a lot of relief. I uh, daddy took his his four ibuprofen and um, sliding into the weekend like it's fucking Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> just... I that, so the my bag was going to consist of like a few shirts, some underwear, socks, two things of Advil, ibuprofen, Tylenol, anti-anxiety medication. I'll appear in all <laughs> dude. I, I, I leap, I plunge for my Advil in the morning, the same way I used to just clutch at a fucking Miller high life or a course light. Oh, <laughs> uh, my, my, yeah. uh, my staples are far, far different now. Like I, I, you know, I was a drug and alcohol person for so long and now I'm just like a, I'm a prescription drug person, but yeah, I, I'm like, oh, everything's changed. I get up in the morning, I have allopurinol for my gout, and then I got to take an anti-anxiety medication in case I get gout or, you know. It, <laughs> Fear of gout, the Derek Sheen story. Brain is full of holes. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so weird, the drugs that we used to do and then the drugs we do now, The like the where you're like, oh, you know, if I fucking huff this dust cleaner, will I feel weird? And then now you're like, doctor if i take this will i feel normal <laughs> <laughs> i was telling my doctor that like the drugs i used to take i took to escape from reality and now i take drugs because i'm scared of not being in reality and i'm like let please give me something so i don't lose control that i take more drugs now than i've ever taken in my life and it's just like the gabapentin so i can keep running uh, trazodone and Ambien, Ambien, so I can go to go to sleep. Trazodone, so I can stay asleep. The, you know, I mean, it's the, yeah. I, I'm 45. I'm still a, a relatively young man. My mother is 75. The, what's going to happen to me, man? That like, do, does it just keep going? Do we just keep taking more and more uh, supplements? I, the, I'm 52. And I, all I can tell you is that seven years later, it, it gets worse. Like it just, it just life and, and things don't come back. Like they don't spring back like they used to. 
where if you, you know, if something gets broken, it just kind of stays broken. <laughs> and, and also you realize that at, after 50, all your friends start dying and all you have is like logo t-shirts. So you don't really have any way to like, oh shit, I have to dress up. Oh God. When, um, when I went to Lanigan's funeral this year, I, the, I did, I didn't have a suit. And I was like, the, no, nobody I love can die because I can't, I can't grieve you in an honorable fashion. I just, the, I didn't even have black jeans. And I was like the, I went and bought black jeans, which were of course, instantly covered with cat hair. And then I was the, um, <laughs> and then I, I, I had like, I think at the time I owned like four cars, none of which were working. So I had to borrow my mom's like Toyota Corolla <laughs> to Jesus. drive to LA to go to the. And then when I got there, it was all people in black jeans covered in cat hair. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. The grief comes in many shapes and they're all covered in cat we're, hair. The thing is, our, we're all the same age. So we're all in the same place. As much as yeah. we like to like think like, ah, oh, man, I'm, uh, I'm an outsider. Uh, you know, I don't have, I don't have the things I need. My life isn't going the way I need it to be. And then when you get in a group of people our age, they're all like, oh, fuck, I don't have the things I need. My life isn't going the way I expected. And then it's kind of nice and normal. Like Gen, Gen X, we are, we are free floating. Uh, we're non-homogenized, uh, uh, non-centered uh, generation of people who just are like, whatever i mean that's our whole thing is just whatever like i raised myself my dad threw me house keys and was like learn to cook your mom and i are going to an orgy like that's <laughs> what that's what we did and we watched tv like you know people our age get upset at younger people i don't but i mean you know we have this benefit of like nostalgia because we were raised with our parents nostalgia like our parents tv is what raised us because all we had uh -huh. were reruns of the shit that raised them. We yeah. had all the stuff from the 50s and 60s, and that's what we watched, and we ingested it. And that's how we learned how to interact with people, because we didn't have social studies. We didn't have social skills. We didn't have parents that, like, put us in. They were all busy trying to make their nut for the month. And and now, like, I look at people younger than me, and you go, like, uh, yeah, Lucille Ball. And they're like, who the fuck is that? And you're like, well, it's Lucille Ball. But we expect them to know things they shouldn't. There is no yeah, reason our yeah. generation should have known who the fuck uh, uh, like uh, CPO Sharky was. Nobody should have known who that was. We shouldn't. A generation should be gone from Welcome Back, Cotter. They shouldn't know <laughs> reruns or Barney Miller. If people don't know a sub reference. I'm thankful. I'm like, oh, that means you actually had a life. You're a young person who's read a book and gone out and kissed a person and tried things. The man, I have so many responses to this. I one of the things I've been like thinking, <laughs> like mulling over my head, I feel like for the last 10 years is this outsider fantasy, but how we all imagine every single person imagines themselves to 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 be an outsider, to be a misfit, to not belong. Um, the and I know when I was a kid, like we would play all these game sort of games of um uh and it always involved being an orphan and a staple of like boys' fiction. <laughs> is that your parents are killed you know the batman you know fucking peter pan is an orphan you know all those it's like sort of all those archetypal stories that it all you know the mom and dad get the get the fucking axe in the first first act and the 
But I and I also want to respond to what you said about young people too, is because like, dude, the fucking midterm election results are rolling in, and they saved our fucking asses. Yep. Again, we Gen love, Z. we love, and I, I will continue to the, I will continue to shit on younger people. We love doing it. It feels so good. I love doing it. I remember being mocked in 1992 for having uh, whatever's cool with me dinosaur junior T-shirt and not the little furry things T-shirt. Because, you know, I was like a poser or something. (laughs) And now all those kids see that same shirt. and They're like, man, you're such a cool old guy. The but I will I and I will continue to shit on them. But, man, they saved our fucking asses in this election cycle. It's generational. I don't know a generation that doesn't get old. It doesn't uh, that doesn't shit down on on (laughs) younger people. And it's also because we're afraid because change terrifies us. And the only thing that we have to cling to is the past because that's what defines us. And young people are constantly changing that. And then we say things like, your music is stupid and I don't get it and you don't make any sense and your words are weird. But then I have to remember, like, when we were coming up, we confounded the fuck out of adults. And they were like, they were baby boomers, counterculture revolutionaries who then, you know, bought bought into the whole, like, capitalist thing. And yeah. And they shit on us all that you you're never gonna amount to anything. You want to be in the arts? What kind of fucking ridiculous lifestyle you're gonna have? I I worked really hard as a union stevedore to afford you this arts this art this art class, and I'll be goddamned if you're gonna make a living off of it. And that they did the same thing we did. My grandfather, I don't get your music. It sounds like you know a bunch of clocks running at the same time, and I don't get like, <laughs> and, and, but like I I'm I'm in. I'm in awe of of Gen Z and and millennials because I feel like they are doing all the work that we and Generation X. It's not that we were lazy; it's that we didn't weren't fucking motivated by anybody to change anything because we all we didn't have there was no reward based meritocracy for us. We constantly just got put upon, not by getting insulted, but like just. Our families, our parents, our schools just fucking expected us to take care of ourselves. There was 15, 20 good years there where we were all just raising ourselves because all those boomers, which were our parents, you know, they were like, we want a better life than our parents. And we, you know, they had money. They bought everything. They fucked everything up. They did a ton of coke. (laughs) You know, they invested in the stock market. They blew our goddamn, our, our, our future and our savings. How many people our age? Are going to inherit anything, yeah. right? Because yeah. our parents just fucking pissed. They pissed it away. They did dumb shit with it. They bought a ton of stuff they couldn't pay for. They couldn't make their credit card payments. They spent all their parents' money before they even died. And now we have to take. So I mean, I get it, and I see like young people trying to go like, "All right, well, we're not ever going to be able to buy a house. I can't afford a car. I have Uber. I have Lyft. I'll just fucking go where I need to. I have a credit card." I'll pay that every every month with my uh you know with what little money I make because I'm still working for $15 an hour but I still feel like everyone should be included and they just bring people into the middle you know, all the time and that which is good but I I think they're going to save us from climate change and they're going to save us well we're still going to have a huge eco collapse but I think it's going to be young people that that survive that and fix things hopefully well, most of the old people will be dead. We'll get airborne cancer, and then they'll I, be like, "We found a mask for that." 
I love that we're like six minutes into the podcast and you're already like, we're all going to die in a hot flood. (laughs) I I truly believe that we are on the verge of like a massive migratory eco collapse, but that young people will be the ones that survive it because they will be like, well, I have a YouTube tutorial on how to make survival stuff and guns aren't going to be necessary. It's going to be like, you know, how do we make food? How do we grow things? How do we recycle it's it's funny because I, I I sort of reject a lot of the generational stuff out of hand of you know to try to make um, sweeping generalizations over an entire genre of human beings you know to say that people born between this you know this year and this year are, are like this the um, a lot because a lot of times to me that feels like a cop out or maybe it's just that the people I've spoken to about it always use their generation as an excuse for why they can't do a thing or won't do a thing. But you do make a compelling argument. You know, I mean, I I remember talking to like my nephew and uh, my nieces about high school and like the, and I was like going to teach them how to fight, you know, because like if you get picked on, you got to be able to fight back and stuff. And they were, they like looked at me and they were like, no, like the cool kids are the nice people. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) You've upended our like social capitalism that we've been reinforcing of like the fucking jocks versus nerds. That's like uh, that's pre-written history. You know, the the last the last Gen Xer that dies, they will erect a headstone somewhere like a central monument to patriarchy. And that'll be like. (laughs) When the last one of us is dead, they'll be like, that is it. We did it. Patriarchy's over. Now everyone just is on the same wavelength. And I, I just, I think that, I don't think it's because they're progressive. I think it's because they have seen, they've been born into an impossible situation. And so a lot of yeah. younger people are just, I think, genetically predisposed to try and survive as opposed to thriving. Which, like, mm-hmm. our generation was born into this thing where it was like, you can be anything you want, and, you know, money's no object. And then our parents were like, wow, cocaine's fun. And then <laughs> there was no money, and everything dried up, and the, that whole economy, that boomer economy just sort of ate itself. And and then our kids, uh, you know, or millennial kids, the, you know, the kids that millennials had, are born of this into this situation that's almost untenable. Like you just can't survive alone. You can't live alone. You can't survive on wages alone. And so it creates a group think, I think, where people are, you know, it's the gig economy, right? People going into Kickstarter and and GoFundMe to pay their medical bills because it that's the society they're creating. And and Republicans like to call it socialism, but it's just <laughs> survivalism. It's survival. Like we all have to pitch in or otherwise we're all gonna collapse. And yeah. guys like you and me are fucking, we're like buying vinyl, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the most toxic things you can do, right? That they're making more, <laughs> that they're making more vinyl. It's just like setting fire to the rainforest. Yeah. And like the, it's, you're just, you're like, they're like built making corks and factories that just fit perfectly in <laughs> dolphins blow holes. <laughs> just just, like... I literally do shit. Like I throw food in my recycling in my plastic recycling. Cause I don't care. And then I'm like, Ooh, Paul's boutique reissue. I should just buy this. It's a double, double album. I'll just go put that on my turntable. Oh God. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, 
I feel like we have so much shit to talk about. We're not going to get through any of it. But the, <laughs> such a yacker. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the, no, I love it. The um, I I just did a podcast with Leslie Jameson, who, if you haven't read her, she's one of the finest writers working today. And also, we dated. And so having a, you know, literary celebrity on the podcast who is also your ex-girlfriend, that is a fucking high wire act. <laughs> and I was just like sitting here like oh. I have just <laughs> I have impaled myself on a skewer of my own anxiety and I oh. will twist for the next hour and 15 minutes. So, Derek, we can talk about whatever the fuck you want to. Coffee just <laughs> you... came out of like up my sinuses. <laughs> I can't I because I can imagine that also I. I my own insecurity, like I was like, oh, <laughs> dating an author, like, oh man, I would oh, that God. would be terrifying for me because I am probably the dumbest person I've ever met, and I would literally make someone stupider in my vicinity over time. It is, it's really, it's it's like a biblical curse. I mean, think about think about your favorite artist and what you love about them, and 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 it's the their perspective, their their vision, the insight with which they perceive things about humanity that are hidden. Right now, mm -hmm. imagine that laser focus turned on you and <laughs> <laughs> your your own shortcomings, your failures your bad moments and then it will all be on the page for everyone to read oh, God. forever <laughs> and it's a fucking horror show man it's like i'll be honest I, I i i might be in a good place because um because i am so neurotic uh, about about that stuff that i my my stand up is just getting ahead of it all the time like i am constantly i will announce to people i didn't even meet like i'm a fuck up I'm a fuck up. I'm insecure. And I'll say something that's really uncomfortable because I don't know how to deal with uh, 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 being in the room and making eye contact with people. So I'm nervous and I'll probably say something that alienates you. And I've done really bad things. And I've even been racist for a few minutes. So uh, <laughs> like <laughs> and then I just it's we're setting out the welcome mat. Now what can go wrong? The, the thing is, it's it's just it's a question of perspective because the you know, uh, you and I could walk into a room full of strangers and be like, man, I got really fat in 2021. <laughs> Conversely, if somebody turns to you and says, man, you got really fat in 2021 fucking hurts. Even, <laughs> if, even if you've said the exact same thing about yourself. And so yeah, that's the, very true. It's like, I can speak truth <laughs> about myself, but to have, to have another person do it, um, a person who I care about tremendously and who is just far more articulate than I will ever be. It, Ugh. it just, it feels like having them do the autopsy while you're still alive. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's a, that's a different, yeah. Like, yeah man, that that, man, that's still connected. Uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah, that, I, yeah, I'm just sort of uh, coming out of that just doing a little emotional barrel roll. Oh, because people don't understand the difference between genuine honesty and brutal honesty <laughs> you know those are two different things and you know my wife used to say like uh, uh it's the difference between saying um uh uh like that that uh, does that dress make me look fat and someone saying oh it's not the dress 
<laughs> you know, she's like, that's brutal honesty. Like, you don't have to go. You don't have to be there. You could always pull back and and be like, oh, oh, the time has definitely changed you a little bit. Oh, and it's, just, yeah, just die. it's still honesty. You just rolled the volume back a little. Bit. Right. Right. Or right. Roll the tone off. You know, the, <laughs> that's it. That's I, it. The the. Uh, cartoonist uh, and writer Tim Kreider has this br brilliant cartoon of, you know, a, like a, a woman coming home from, you know, her day at the office and her husband's there and she's like, you know, how was your day, honey? And, you know, the and then they both stop and think and she's like, I thought about getting gangbanged by all the dudes in the office. And he's like, I jerked off four times thinking about you as when you were 14. And, then, <laughs> and they're both like, fine. <laughs> My day was fine. And, it's like, and that's the level of honesty I want from a partner. Is to just the just uh, lie to me in a convincing manner, just or just airbrush it. You know the Instagram filters. I think it's great. The I think the best relationships are when you operate uh, 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 with the same level of honesty you would in inner inner office politics. Like at that point when you're on the water cooler, uh, it's uh, how was your day? It was great. <laughs> and I'm never going to get too honest with someone that I work with. I'm always just going to keep it level because we got to work together, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like it, we have to live together. I'm not going to give you all this stuff. We got to, I got to live with you, you know, <laughs> I'll save that for my friends. Yeah. Just, yeah. A couple, some pleasantries, a little bit of, you know, a, a laugh here and there, a little chuckle and catch, <laughs> catch the game last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. People who fetishize honesty that yeah, you don't know what you're fucking with. <laughs> just the, Ugh. we already have more than enough honesty in this world. The just, yeah. Just lie to me in a, in a nice soft. Yeah. I'm hard voice. enough on myself. I don't need anybody to help out. I, I, I that's definitely a rule for me. Is I, I will clearly, uh, uh, I will announce all of my faults uh, accurately and and uh, uh, and genuinely to everyone. Let me do that. Let me do that part because I'm super good at it. If someone else does it, it's fucking devastating. Because I'm like, first off, I'm mad that you have better timing than me. <laughs> you know, and then uh, you're taking my job away from me. This is my job is self deprecation and hatred. So. The, the interesting thing, though, is that like, um, you know, you and I are creators, right? So we we witness the thing and then we make stories or jokes or songs or whatever about it. The And then when when you become the muse to another artist, it's like the um, suddenly you're standing naked in a room with with. Uh, fluorescent lights surrounding you and there's sort of like that camera in slow motion you know 4k hd scrolling around your entire na naked body and the, and, i can taste and, it it's just like what are, are those skin tags do i have eczema now that i i it didn't ever itch to like what is that what's going on down there I, I didn't see that like it's unfair that somebody else can see that i I wasn't able to mock that about Ugh. my own body. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm I'm getting in the I I'm the guy that gets in the pool with a t-shirt. I'm just that like <laughs> and people are like, well, you're gonna weigh yourself down. And I'm not in this for exercise. I'm in this to cool off and you don't need to see anything. You don't need to I I respect your privacy and your ability to imagine what this looks like after that's up to you. But even at home, my wife is a very like raised around hippies, right? And they were all fucking walking around the house naked all the time. When I started dating, her dad would just walk out like with a not even a towel on morning, making coffee. And I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't 
I wasn't made that move. way. Yeah, I'm not God. made that way. I was raised by, uh, by abused, uh, uh, like, you know, just children of trauma who constantly <laughs> were guarded. They, my mom wore like three house coats all the time. Doors got locked when people went to the bathroom. The Doors air got just locked. Thick with shame. Oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> my grandmother, uh, I had to tell my wife that like early, I had to retrain myself at some point in my life. This is hard to explain to her because she was, I was like, I had to train myself how to take care of myself because my grandmother, who was uh, taxed with uh, wiping me as an infant, was so <laughs> absolutely, uh, uh, she was a germaphobe with a rage problem so she like (laughs) she didn't want to deal with it so she would just take an entire roll of toilet paper and just until the skin came off of me would just make sure that i'm absolutely clean and this is how i learned to wipe myself because i was like well that's natural right you just go until it starts to bleed and then you're like okay everything's gone that's the like the mentality i grew up with locked doors you know people wouldn't let you in the bathroom to shower for like an hour and I, I grew up like that. And then I'm around these hippies, like dick out, you know, my, her mom's badge is just like coming out. I'm like, my eyes are bleeding and, and everyone's <laughs> fucking cool with it. I walk by someone's just sitting on the shitter. Hey, Derek, what the fuck? I like, and it took me years. Like my wife, I still have the bathroom door closed. I have this privacy thing, which is all shame, you know, but trying to overcome that you know in your late 40s early 50s where you're just like okay i gotta stop i gotta i gotta reverse course but it's taken her an incredible amount of time to like get used to all the weird like i don't i don't get naked around my wife unless it's like you know a saint patrick's an emergency day. yeah saint patrick's, <laughs> saint patrick's day <laughs> uh having pets has been really helpful for me with the bathroom thing because if i close the bathroom door my cat and my dog think something is amiss and today i had the bathroom door open while i was taking a shit which is what i and a luxury i afford myself and my <laughs> dog walked in gave me a look like what's wrong with you dude and turned and walked out I just, I'm like, I, I pick up your feces every day. I have an intimate relationship with everything that comes out of your asshole <laughs> for you to walk into my, my most, my secret bunker in my castle, in my lair. And then just without a word, just, just shame me. Uh, my cat, my, my cat, my cat will push the door open and then turn around and walk right back out. <laughs> And it's been happening for years. Just walk, push the door open and then go, oh, yeah, no. And then just turn around and walk out and leave the door open. Just leave the door open, which I also think was part of his thing. Like, well, I'm just, you know what? You deal with it. You need to get over this, Sheen. Derek, I'm sweating. From- <laughs> <laughs> the So there's there's a... Everybody has their sort of canonical texts in their life, you know, things that the, oh, if it wasn't for Merle Haggard, I wouldn't be who I am today or whatever, the or the Spice Girls or whatever the fuck it is. And for me, it's one episode of Mork and Mindy, which was a, the first part of a two-parter. And in it, uh, Mork is suffering from uh, a cold. So he has uh, nasal congestion. So Mindy uh, helpfully gives him a nasal decongestant. And then... At some point, they discovered that Mork 
used to be taller than her and then now he's shorter than her and then he can and he's shrinking and she's like more you know you're shrinking and he was like i know the um what what did you give me and she said well then i give you that nasal decongestant it's going to diminish the swelling inside of your nose and he's like orchians are made of the swelling inside of their nose and <laughs> the at the in the final moments of the part one of a two-part thing uh mork shrinks so small that he disappears and i've never seen the the, the second part of that <laughs> but it's oh shit it's haunted it's become <laughs> one of the central metaphors in my life for understanding myself and that is that um you know people are like oh you need to sort of get over your shame and i'm like i'm made of shame if if i <laughs> if i get rid of my shame i will disappear that's what gets me up in the morning and what's you know what puts me to bed at night you know oh that's that is incredibly relatable i mean uh, growing up in a household full of you know everyone that i grew up with was abused yeah my my dad my stepdad my mom everyone just had traumatic abuse because they're you know fucking par everybody's parents boomers parents were terrible and yeah. then boomers were terrible parents because they had shitty parents. And then we carry that like an heirloom from generation to generation. But like the shame, the shame in, in our household at all times, unless someone was uh, lashing out in, in anger or violence, and then uh, it was all bets are off. You know, no one was ashamed about that showing their true colors. But but man, I mean, uh, it, it was it, I don't know what I would do. Without that, I think it's become, I mean, for me, even as a kid, uh, you know, my ability to um, to have a uh, to to have a relationship with my fear and my shame so much so that it, I had more confidence in that than in anything else probably saved my ass a lot in school because people didn't want to beat the shit out of me like they didn't, you know, even bullies that approached me once they got within earshot and realize like, Oh, I can't hurt you as much as you're going to hurt yourself. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, I had bullies that became friends of mine because they were like, they felt bad for me. Like I was going to beat the shit <laughs> out of you because you have a punchable face. And then I realized, Oh my God, that's because people punch you in the face all the time. Get over here, little fella, wow. you know? And so I had bullies that were my friends because that was, and I would, I would tell people ahead of time, like there's nothing you can do to me. That's going to be any worse than what happens at home. So let me save you the trouble. I know I'm a fucking idiot. You know, I'm going to say dumb shit. I have a stupid face. I'm really small. I'm probably easy to punch, but it isn't going to do any damage. And I'm not going to be scared of you because tomorrow I'm going to get up and I still have to be me. There's nothing you can do that's going to change that unless you can punch me taller or better looking. All it's going to do, and well, I won't even resent you. I will totally understand why you beat the shit out of me. It would just disarm people. And I think without that, I don't know what I would do without that. And, and maybe it's not healthy, but I don't know what I would have done without having a, a, some kind of like, for me, that was a net gain growing up because I think it gave me something a lot of people didn't have in their toolbox, which was the ability uh, to recognize, you know, my faults and, and play to them as a strength. Um, and I don't think a lot of people have that, you know, you, you can really, you can, like my grandfather used to say that you could just destroy a person by laughing at their dick. 
you can just destroy a person. He would tell me all the time. I saw guys in the military, you know, after in, in the shower, and a guy would point at their dick and laugh about how small it is, and the other guys would point at it, and that guy would go blow his brains out like a month later, you know. And he's like, so having some, having some, uh, uh, although it's probably every psychiatrist, every psychiatrist would say that's the least healthy thing. But I think in a way, you know, you, I think we learn as comics and writers um, that those are our strengths because it's something that most people don't have, uh, you know, any, it's not tenable to people, you know, they can't grab onto that. They don't understand it. And so they live vicariously through us because, you know, I, we all have shame, but I think it's, uh, it's manageable compared with most people. Derek, I have to tell you, it's, <clears throat> I don't know you very well, but I think tremendously highly of you as an artist and a human being. And it's incredibly hard to hear you um, tell a story like that that's rooted in so much uh, childhood pain and suffering. And I have to tell you that you have a beautiful face and I love you. <laughs> and I think you're a fucking awesome guy. Oh, thanks, man. The, Thank you it's i don't know it's it's weird like the man that was a whole fucking so grateful when you reach for your coffee cup because that was a whole fucking mental journey you just took me on right there <laughs> i'm the, so sorry no no I, no they, i mean because the and and this is one of the reasons why i'm a fan of yours and why people are fans of yours is that the uh the hurt kid the super smart hurt kid who's sort of intellectualizing like how do i get my way out of this how do i how do i how do i protect myself how do i um how do i make them not destroy me how do i survive this um that kid is still so accessible um in you the moment you step on stage the moment you pick up a microphone oh yeah the, and that's why people respond the way they do to your work you know it's really it's fucking magic what you do, man. I've only gr I think I've only grown up, but I haven't grown away. And I still have uh total access to that because it always feels like it's what defined me yeah. as a you know and made me into the person I am. So I'm not very far removed from it at all times, which can be which can be a little scary because I still have I haven't forgotten anything. That's the one shitty thing about getting old is I haven't forgotten the things I wish I could. So, yeah, you know, I can still wake up in the morning and go, ah, fuck, I can't believe I did what I what I said to that kid in sixth grade was so <laughs> shitty. And I should probably look him up, but almost everybody's probably dead now. So uh, but I, I, you know, I think I, I had um, I definitely had to fend for myself. I think a lot of people in our generation really did. Like, you know, my dad didn't know how to handle his rage or his booze. But I would somehow, I don't know how I got gifted with this. Maybe it was my mom, but she didn't have great radar either. But anytime that someone, especially my dad, was violent with me, I would just, my my reconciliation would be to sit by myself and go, all I know is I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to do everything in my power to not let that affect me because I know that it could fuck me up. Even as a kid, I would tell myself that, like, I know I could easily hold on to that and I could use that to be shitty to other people. And I'm going to make goddamn sure that I don't grow up like that. I'm going to make my dad so fucking upset that it didn't affect me. You know, mm -hmm. that was my, my, and my mom used to tell me that 
you know, my the the best revenge is uh, never letting people see how they're yeah. you know, how they how it affects you. Like she was like, you know, your dad, you can be mad at your your stepfather as long as you want, but he's probably somewhere right now eating a steak, and he's completely has not thought of you in years. And if you want to carry that around, that's on you now. You know, yeah. So how you choose to live your life, even how people treat you, you have to, you have to like, you have to take that their, you know, their violence or their trauma and just go. Okay, well, how do I not be that person? How do I just live better than that? And and that was weird to grow up as a kid thinking like that because it seemed pretty fucking mature. That is very advanced. It, I mean, it, it it's taking me a sh- shitload of therapy. Um, I, I was going to sh- a shitload of therapy to get there. No, I'm not there. The, I'm, the, it's taken me a shitload of therapy to be able to glimpse it, to be able to hear what you're saying and be like, well, I guess that has some merits, but there's also always murder. You know, the that's still there, too. That's always also there. That's still there as well. They, they think they co they cohabitate, but it didn't ruin me like my mom. You know, my mom's abuse as much as she would tell me that stuff. It ate her alive, you know. I yeah. think it's it's really what killed her over, you know, and and killed her slowly as she let that stuff eat her, her alive. And anytime we had a conversation, she would always have to go back to that in the past and go, I can't believe I let your father do that. I can't believe and I'm like, hey, man, we're we're 30 years removed from this. You know, you got to move on. I don't want to hear about it anymore because I'm I use it. I only use that stuff so that I can remind myself why I'm growing forward, yeah. you know. The, so I got into this a little bit, the sort of with my family lately, where we've been, uh, we've been doing my, uh, my mom has not cancer. She has a thing in her throat that she needs to get removed, um, which isn't cancer, which that's fantastic, but she's Good. still facing a four to five hour surgery and then recovery that may involve feeding tube. There's definitely some scary things yeah. that, um, and then my dad definitely has cancer. Uh, he has cancer in uh, one of his kidneys and he's having it taken out. And the and we've sort of been trying to sort out how how bad we're supposed to feel for him or how much is appropriate and 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 how much we're allowed to withhold, you know. And I was thinking about this for you know, the phrase like, you know, sort of forgive and forget, because the I don't know, man. I feel like forgiveness is for fucking student loans and that's it. And the the rest of it is just the, we need a different version of forgiveness where you evict the other person from your head for your own sanity and survival. And then forgetting, you know, the forgive and forget is not that you welcome them back into your life, but that you, you do the real life equivalent of erasing their number from your phone. You know, the that they cease to exist for you. The I think, I think it's incredibly healthy to I, I, I always thought forgiveness in that aspect was kind of a cop out. I always thought that was what people did to try and make themselves feel better or put them above. Well, I I forgive you. I forgive you for your trespasses against me. It seems like such a fucking cocksure, not really forgiving thing to say. I'm much more of a fan of ignoring completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That my oh my dad fucking sent an email to my older sister who has never done I always do I always say fucked up shit to my dad she never does and he said he said something to her about uh you know I forgive you and I was like you you motherfucker you piece of shit that like I will 
I will cram your fake fucking <laughs> forgiveness down your fucking throat. She didn't ask to be forgiven because she hasn't done anything wrong. And like, don't you put that fucking shame on my sister. Yeah. Don't, don't try and sew that, you know. Urgh! I get like Yosemite Sam angry, like tarnation talking about my, it's, my it's dad. It's incredibly manipulative yeah. to say yeah. that you forgive yeah. someone, especially when you're in a position, uh, you know, where you are, you're the person who's created trauma. You know, that's yeah. it, that's what people do in order to gaslight other yeah, people yeah. into going like, well, you know, I mean, my, you know, even my own mom would do that shit to me. And, you know, I would talk about, she would ask me what, what, like, what do you resent growing up besides the abuse? And I'm like, besides the abuse, the, you know, the fact that, uh, <laughs> I mean, what, you know, what am I supposed to resent? The fact that you... <laughs> Like, didn't let me fucking blossom as a person that any time that, you know, I tried to grow, I go, you know, this is a two-way street. It wasn't just my dad that abused me. It's your own ignoring that abuse that was just as abusive as getting, you know, hit was worse sometimes to see the person who had power to stop it just go, well, I'm comfortable. You know, it wasn't that she didn't stop it because she was uh, scared of my father. She didn't stop it because she was comfortable. And if I stop it, then mm -hmm. I'm going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And and she would say things like, you know, we'd have these conversations and she'd go, well, I know you feel like that, you know, and I and I'm sorry, but I, I want you to know that I forgive you for feeling that way about me, because I know that you and to me, I'm like, you didn't hear a thing I said, you know, you just gaslit me into believing that because it cycle of abuse just continues unless you take responsibility for it. And, uh, you know, abusers have the heart like, you know, how much easier it would be if someone who hit you or was shitty to you psychologically abused you sexually abused you if they had that real awakening where they were like man i'm a real fucking terrible person you know how much easier it would be if they said you know what i i do not forgive myself i don't forgive myself for what i did i don't and and leave it at that because then it leaves the 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 it leaves us to go oh okay well good then now we can reconcile a little bit because if you understand that what you did is unforgivable, then we can move forward a little bit because it means you have some humility. But forgiveness is like, I don't know, it, it's it. I'm all about cleaning my side of the street. Yeah. I'm always about that. But that's not forgiving. That's just me going like I'm taking care of me and I will fucking I will I will. I don't know if you've seen Black Mirror, but that yeah, that yeah. episode where you're just able to block people out of your life. Like they can't even see you anymore. Oh, I love like, it. I do that. I was, I've been doing that for years, you know? Also, I feel like, like that's what my shows are like, where I just, <laughs> just like I've alienated so many fucking people over the years. They're like, fuck this guy, unfollow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. You know, I, I always wished like, I, you know, I, my biological dad wasn't so much abusive as he just was not a, person he just wasn't a good person like i my stepfather i was i i knew i spent most of my life my early adult life with him uh and he was a terrible person you know he was not a good and he was a also a victim of abuse right and didn't know right. how to so yeah. everything project outward my dad on the other hand my actual dad i didn't meet him till i was 17 because he spent most of my childhood in and out of prison you know and he was just a weird, selfish drug addict who, you know, worked and had, you know, was uh, adjacent to the mob, 
you know, but uh, and, you know, looked to have a had a pinky ring and, you know, yeah. had a history of violence. And uh, but also was just so selfish that, you know, his self-defense mechanism was never letting anybody in. And that way, no one could ever judge him for anything. And then he wouldn't have to feel bad about the way that he lived his life, which I could fault him for. But it's a fucking great mechanism, you know, <laughs> like it's a really great mechanism. If you are a terrible person, you know what? Just fucking build your walls real high and don't let anybody in. And then then you don't have to worry about it. Like my dad never outwardly set out to like hurt his family. He was just like, well, I'm going to steamroll and do my life. And if somebody gets in the way, sorry, you know, wow. I don't feel anything. And that to me is, I think, as much as I didn't like love him. That's far more respectable than like lashing out at everyone when you're a little drunk because your dad, you know, was shitty to you or your mom was yeah. shitty to you. And I think it's it's hard. I all trauma is hard to process, but I think you get to a point in your life where, you know, I am so much better just like never ever letting those people into my life you know my stepdad's tried to contact me his kids have tried to contact me i just ignore because i want them to you know that's nothing i say is going to fix it and nothing that i nothing that that they say to me i know is going to be genuine it's all about how do i i'm going to die soon so i better I, say my you know fix this for god or whatever they believe is going to happen well, that you got right to the point that I was you know, about to make, which is that forgiveness to me feels like a, uh, a, you know, a Christian or a Catholic scam, you know, that like you can you can do all the horrible shit you want. And then just on your deathbed, be like, I'm sorry, I, uh. I confess my my sins before God. The and the that is some bullshit right there. You know, the and that's the. That was one of the things when I got sober, you, people were like the you need to forgive yourself and i'm like why <laughs> like the it's it's up to the shit that i did that hurt other people it's up to them to forgive me or not they don't need to there's no requirement for them to forgive me right the, um it's my job to not forgive myself for that and instead to remember that human nature is that we're all sort of innately selfish and self-protecting organisms and that uh, every human being is capable of cruelty of great violence of uh, manipulation of deception that um that i have those things in me you know and that i and that i'll always carry them with me and that i need to keep an eye on them and if I sort of just forgive myself or, or say like, Oh, that was, it was the drink that did it. It was the drugs that no, I fucking did it, man. <laughs> the, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was me. The, yeah. Um, and the, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol absolutely played a role in uh, breaking down those walls and letting the sort of like less desirable parts of who I am out. But I've done plenty of bad shit. So oh. too. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, holy shit. <laughs> alcohol just made alcohol just intensified how like the shitty things I did, but it didn't like change anything. I had to do a deep dive on my personality. Like I was already shitty before I started drinking. And then I was like, oh, this makes it so much easier. And yeah, it's a great uh, scapegoat. Let's try and lighten things up here a little bit and go right into the drink, the drugs and uh, addiction and uh, despair. <laughs> <laughs> let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's take it. <laughs> 
<laughs> what um, do you identify as an alcoholic or an addict, or did you just quit? No, I, I do identify as an alcoholic and an addict. I, I did quit drinking, and I it's something I, I won't go back to it. It's just, it's not an attractant. The alcohol was definitely a symptom of a lot of larger problems. And I didn't start drinking till I was 31. And I did it pretty fast. Like I, Derek, I, you missed the best years of your life. Oh, I lived it all sober and straight edge, except I smoked. So I guess I wasn't straight edge, but I mean, I smoked, you know, I chain smoked cigarettes, but I didn't do any drugs, didn't smoke pot. Wow. Didn't, you know, didn't I drink. I, I think I quit when I was, no, I, I was 32 when I quit, but I started when I was 13. Oh, uh, I mean, we had, we had stuff when I was a kid, but I didn't get too deep into it. And all the kids I grew up with, they got fucked up real fast. And all of them got like, they all ended up going to treatment by the time they were 15. So all my, my peer group was mostly recovering addicts, like young addicts. So I would just I, go to meetings with them. Like I'm 15 years old going to NA and AA meetings to support my friends. And cause I'm like, well, that's my peer group. And I just stayed sober the whole time. And then when I was 31, I was like, I'm fucking going to Vito's and I'm going to have a cocktail. I'm going to see what this is like. And it was like, the, I don't know if you ever remember the episode of taxi where they, they visited, uh, they, they did a flashback to Jim Ignatowski when he was in college and he was an honor student uh, who wore like uh, uh, ties and and sweater vests and uh, was uh, did everybody's homework for uh -huh. for them and it was a tutor. And then someone gave him a bite of a pot brownie and he instantly became Jim, Jim Ignatowski. Like he just <laughs> like within minutes was like, huh, oh, oh. Yeah. and that was, was his life. And that's kind of what happened when I took my first my real first drink as an adult. I mean, the next night I was out at that bar right after I got off work and I closed it down and then I didn't leave for, yeah. you know, 20, almost 20 years. Well, yeah. no, f f almost 15, 16 years. I quit. It's been five years now since I quit, but in, in, in my late twenties, I remember a friend coming to me in sort of a moment of crisis and being like, you know, man, you know, I, I really, we were at a bar and he was like, I, I really think that I have a drinking problem. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, like, yes, and <laughs> the, like, what do you do? You need me to buy you another one? Like, what's the? Yeah, yeah I'm like, I'm a fucking alcoholic. I know that I've been living with that for ten years. You know that, like, I, do you want a hug? You know, I, I just, <laughs> it was, it was out of my my lexicon or just my vocabulary to to even comprehend that he was sort of starting to shake hands with addiction then because i'd been living with it for such a long time and it was just like you know yeah this this is how you get by like you fucking you wake up in the morning you throw up and then and then you pee and you take a shit and then you go to work you yeah. know and the, you bring a little nyquil in your lunchbox like i used to or yeah. you know or uh, uh, keep something in the car for you know breaks but but i smoked and that was also my addiction and i chain smoked i mean i just have an addictive personality and so dude, I, I miss cigarettes so bad the... I got lucky, man. I don't know what happened, but I was a five pack a day smoker. Holy for... shit, dude. I started when I was 14. I started smoking. I, I went, I started when I was 14 at a pack a day right out wow. of the gate because my parents both chain smoked. And wow. so as soon as I started, I was like, I, when, when they got divorced, 
I had like this weird rage issue, man. And I thought it's all about the divorce and my dad being separated and me filling in this role. And the upon reflection, uh, what was really happening was I was going through extreme nicotine withdrawals because uh. I was around smoke the entire time. And the minute I was removed from the situation, I started getting full of rage fast. I had short temper. I didn't know how to talk to people. I fucking got jittery. I had trouble sleeping. And it's because I was going through nicotine withdrawal. So I started smoking uh, just because I was like, well, I didn't think about it then. I was like, I need a cigarette. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I'm going to be a bad boy. But my body needed it. And then I was downhill. By the time I was 20, I was at five packs a day easily. I slept an hour a night. I'd get up and just smoke and then go back to sleep for 20 minutes, get up and smoke again, go back to sleep, smoked in the shower, smoked on the shitter, smoked while I was cooking. My job allowed me to smoke indoors. And then when smoking was illegal indoors, I was taking five minute breaks and smoking three cigarettes at a time just to get enough nicotine in me to get through the next 20 minutes so I could get back out and have another cigarette. But like I quit. I quit and I have I have no desire to ever go back like something in my brain chemistry, man. I don't know what it was, but my 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 father in law thinks that I got to a place where I resented it so much, like I hated it Mm -hmm. so much that when I quit, I, I literally didn't have any withdrawal. I quit in one day. I threw my cigarettes out and I was like, I'm fucking done with this. I can't do this anymore. I hate it. I hate it so much. And then I just wasn't. I didn't smoke. I didn't, I didn't have like pan. I didn't have panic attacks. I didn't shake. I literally just went on with my life and I was like, all right, well, we're done with that. My mind, I don't know how the fuck that worked, but it's the same thing with booze. You know, I, I stopped, I had a really bad incident with Johnny Taylor and, and that dude saved my ass from getting my face pounded in. And I woke up the next day and I was like, I hate this. I hate the drinking. I hate that I was drinking from the moment I got up to the moment I went to bed, I resented it. And I, that was it. I was like, I don't do that anymore, but I don't know how it works, but I, I can be around people who drink and I just don't even have a desire. I just, my, my brain, maybe it's a, a aversion therapy of some sort where I just remember how I used to feel and it wasn't good. Yeah. I, I mean, I rarely miss drinking. Um, I, I, I miss smoking, I think, because I was sort of like the, um, you know, drinking one wine cooler version of a smoker, you know, the <laughs> I, I, I whooping cough when I was a baby. So my I have week long. Oh, shit. The but yeah, with Derek, I was the sickly baby. That's, that's how I did. <laughs> Imagine how what I would have looked like without that whooping cough. No, the, I just um, remember the inoculation was, uh, they lined us all up to inoculate us from whoop, whooping cough. Uh-huh. And it was, a. I, most of my friends still have a big fucking circle yeah, yeah, on yeah. their arm from that yep. shot. But my yeah. got it because C3PO and R2D2 told me to get it. <laughs> there was a big commercial campaign where the, the, they were both like, Oh, whooping cough. You got to get inoculated. And I was like, well, if they say so, and I told my mom, I got to get inoculated. My trusted medical advisor, C-3PO. <laughs> <laughs> One of the few selfless things Lucas ever did. Yeah. The, well, better than Dr. Oz anyway. Yeah. The, um, the So I, I miss smoking because, you know, it was sort of just the tip of, I think, addiction there. Or for, for me, it was like, you know, much more sort of a mental thing. But um, when... When people people always say, you know, the 
uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I'm drinking around you. Like, you know, does it, does it bother you? And it's like the, what well, it doesn't, doesn't tempt me. I have no desire to have a fucking rum and coke or whatever, right. beam, whatever dog shit you're fucking drinking. <laughs> I, it's annoying because you fucking have told me you love me three times in the last hour, and that's three times too many, and it's only <sighs> ten o'clock. You know, it's like that. Oh, it's that. It doesn't. I I don't fear that I'm going to drink. You're fucking annoying, and you 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 listen to terrible music when you're drinking, and you like sports, and <sighs> all, it, it, all these horrible things happen. But none of it is me wanting to join you in any of that the no just you just plummet in my my esteem for you just tanks that's all <laughs> i can't keep up when i drink when i'm when i'm out with people who drink and and being an uh you know a non-drinker uh it it only annoys me just how fast i can't like be in the conversation how quickly i just am removed from the group because yeah. i'm like you're all fucking baby brains at this point yeah. you know you're all just wet brain making no sense and Anytime I say something, people look at me like, a, you know, like a dog with peanut butter in their mouth, like, huh, what? <laughs> and I, I fucking hate it. And I try to like my wife will go out for drinks and I'm like, I'll get high. Before we go, that doesn't help. Now I'm just more cerebral about things and I, I, I get lost even faster because they're getting drunk and I'm going like, man, do you ever think like, what if a black hole's dad? <laughs> like, like, what if? <laughs> What if a black hole had parents? Have you ever thought about that? Like maybe and they're like, what's going on, man? Stop the games on. You're like, ruining if, my if, buzz. If a black hole falls into a black hole, does it undo the other one? Does it? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That, that fucking, I got a nosebleed. I'm just, you know, but I, 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 I do need to do say it. like the, you know, dear listener, if you're listening at home and you're, and you drink and you're drunk, please know. I hated you when I was a drunk too. <laughs> that this isn't some this isn't some self-righteous sober thing. Even I was when I was a pants shitting alcoholic, I thought that other drunks were fucking pathetic. I couldn't so drink with people. Like, I couldn't drink with people. And I'm why sorry would about you the... ever drink with people? The best yeah. thing about alcohol is you make your own company. Yeah. It it removes the the need for there to be another person around you. you what know, changed the, and that's my why I was life. so good at it. What changed my life was the fucking cell phone. Like I could just go out to a bar with my oh. cell phone and just get hammered and be on the internet and be by myself. And I didn't need to have anybody else around me. I'm like, I can fucking read a story. I can do some social media. I can look at pictures from people in high school. I don't have to fucking be with anybody else. Before that, I would just sit at a bar by myself and look at people and try to figure out reasons why I don't like them. And then my phone kind of saved me because I'm like, oh, I don't need an excuse. I can just be on my phone and I can get hammered and no one will care. You know, I, I do. I imagine myself to be, or I conceptualize myself as like a misanthrope and a loner and all that stuff. And the, but one of the things that I have learned through the last couple of years of isolation, isolation is that I'm wrong. The, that I do, <laughs> I do, I do need people and I do love people. The, they annoy me quickly and forever. But also, I am, um, I am a social person. The I man, the show we had here this weekend or this weekend, fucking two days ago. What day is it? What, what year is it? <laughs> ah, <laughs> my brain. The, it's wet. It's Friday today. It was Wednesday. We had uh, Brandy Posey, Anna Valenzuela, and John Michael Bond here. 
um, along with a couple of sort of local killers. And my face hurts from laughing. And the and I didn't know any of them. Like just three oh, to- wow. total strangers came to my house. And then that's the magic of getting together and hanging out and fucking doing a thing together as a group. And also the magic of comedy, you know, the, um, people get up there and talk about their fucking trauma and how their grandmother was a whore or whatever the fuck, you know, the, (laughs) and then by the end of the night, like, or at the end of the night, we were taking, like, I was taking a family picture with three people who had been strangers, you know, that less than 24 hours before. And it felt totally natural. Like here we are all of us together, you know? And, um, all three of them stone cold killers, by the way, super, uh, the dude, nicest people. And so fucking shit. funny that I knew, uh, I knew Brandy's name and I did a recovery podcast with Anna. Um, but I had no fucking idea that I was booking like, three headliners that were just going to be like, here's another home run. Here's another home run. Yeah, it was, it it was one of those things where like the, um, it's just, have you ever, I mean, you're, uh, you're a cook and you're a food fan that when you have a meal where like everything is sort of prepared to perfection, and then it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And yeah. you're like, the, this this is amazing. That was perfect. I love this. This is excellent. Fuck, I can't. The Stop. I, I'm going to keep <laughs> eating them, but stop bringing them out. You know, the, it's uh, just. Uh, I love that feeling. And it's it, it's when it happens in comedy, it's even better because in, there's something about what we do that is very weirdly competitive sometimes. Yep. And it's very easy for us to get in our own heads. And when you just that when you when you when you're laughing, when you're completely disarmed and, and there's people around you who are just genuinely funny, I, I forget that we're doing stand up. And I just feel like, oh, we're like, I can't wait to like I'm happy that I'm in the endorphin rush is so real. And uh, and it's welcome because most of the time you spend either going like when am I going on stage and when am I leaving? Yeah. Like I'm waiting to go up. I got to fucking, I got to listen to this piece of shit. I hate this. It's cold in here. Everybody's <laughs> drinking. I just want to go do my fucking time and get out. And I, and when I experience something like that, I remember immediately the joy that comedy brings me. I forget it. Like I've forgotten sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when it's genuinely, I mean, with Brandy and, and John Michael, especially like, those are those are comics that when I get to hang out or see them do stand up, I will literally forget everything else I'm doing yeah. and just go watch, you know, and it's those are people I like to just I like I will actually watch the whole set and let myself go and get rid of all my cynicism, uh, which is calcified in me. <laughs> so it's very hard to let go sometimes. But I love those moments. And uh, uh, and it, it again, it's what like it's. It's what I missed from comedy when we were in lockdown is this stupid Zoom shows, yeah. you know, which I didn't want to do because I, I comedy for me is tactile. You know, it's, I have to see people and I have to hear people and be in the moment. And it's, it's so easy for us to um, to lose 
to forget what to forget about the magic or for the magic to be obscured the if you're on fucking twitter if you're on social media and you're the all these you people to fucking legion of skanks and joe rogan and all the, the sort of like comedy edge lord the i i'm going to speak the truth and that will make you show me your vagina the and it's the and 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 also the fucking the check drop and two drink minimum and all the <laughs> the you know the ac the acolytes of these sort of famous comedy figureheads and oh, well Bill Hicks and all this bullshit and then when you just have a moment where one person is talking and the other people are listening and you can hear them listening, whether you're the person talking or you're one of the people listening, just communicating in that thing, that like invisible strand of spider's thread, you know, that, that connects us as human beings. It is fucking magic, dude. And it makes yeah. all the, the, it makes the other 23 hours, all the fucking bullshit, all the promo and glad handing, and it makes it all fucking worth it. And it's, and I'll say also, uh, you know, it's nice to have like a week like that uh, before uh, we go into a weekend where I, uh, you are, have to suffer through my stand up for four days straight and are just like, holy fuck, where did those guys go? What are they doing right now? And I, old sad boy, old sad boy McGillicuddy just fucking like, uh, just doing, you know, a straight half hour of like, uh, just, in the moment, like, uh, hey, uh, I've seen seven dead bodies, but I've never had a threesome. And uh, just just the sad observations of a dying man. <laughs> this this is like the moment in Batman where I tell you um, I was born in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think you think that's going to bum me out, man? I have, I have a half on for this. Like, I like. Tell me more that, I mean, just from the, this is the longest conversation you and I've ever had by a factor of 10, the, to, to just tr go seamlessly from, you know, addiction and despair and trauma and abuse and to, you know, dick jokes and the, um, I, dude, I can't wait to have you here. I can't fucking wait to feel bad together while we're, we're going to have, we're going to have a dates. terribly great time. That, yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> we're gonna have. I mean, really, we are. I'm. I'm still looking forward to it. And and I know we're, like, I know we're just gonna have a lot of. Uh, I know we're gonna have great talks on the road. That's the thing I look forward to. Yeah, is the driving conversations because that's partly what I love about you know being in a car with other comics is like that's the moment when uh you know like uh you find out what kind of person you are. You know, yeah. like, and, and also to discover someone new that you'll already like talking to and that you're already excited about. The nice thing is that the car is moving so they can't leave. <laughs> so, you know, for a little bit, you just, you know, you're trapped uh, and now your thoughts are made manifest on someone else. And that I, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a kind of magical power that, you know, you just get the experience in your everyday life. It's it's weird having toured for Jesus 20 years and the evolved into a sort of specific subhuman that way. And then <laughs> I was out in Ohio visiting my, uh, my buddy Lou poster, who's been on the podcast and the, and we would just sort of sit and talk. And I was like, Oh my God, 
and, and and we would do it sort of again and again, day after day. And I was like, Holy Lou, this is like going on tour together, except without the, all the, the fucking miserable part of like the driving and the shows and all that fucking bullshit. Like the, we, we can just sit here and like, just talk. And he was like, yeah, man, it's called visiting like the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to being a human. <laughs> like you're we, figuring we forget out now. <laughs> that. I forget that. You know, I, 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 I don't. I'm not a networking person. I always uh, shy away from that shit when I'm in, you know, groups, especially comedians or creatives. Like, I'm the last oh, person yeah. who will try yeah. to sell myself in a group. I, I'm, I'm always like just being the person who's got like, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna talk and see if anybody wants to, you know, be part of this conversation or I'll I'll say something just to kind of get a reaction because I'm that's the person I am. And and I don't know if that's great. Maybe I mean it, it kind of sounds like the guy who's like, I can only come when I shoot a hostage. But like <laughs> I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if that's the healthy way to think about it. But I, you know, I can't I like the genuine the the fellowship part of this more than I actually you know, the stage time thing is great because I try to create something different on stage every night. So I'm not stuck in a feedback loop. Yeah. But I really I talking to other creatives, I I I missed it for three years. Yeah. You know, uh, and and although my wife is a creative, you, you live with someone. It's different. The energy's yeah, different. Yeah. And after a while, we're both like, yeah, we get it. You're you like to knit. Yeah, I get <laughs> it. You like to play guitar. Can we just be quiet for a minute? But, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to explore, you know, other people's brains and and be in their space for a little bit because it takes me out of my stupid brain for a little while, which is nice. And yeah. uh, and it makes me a listener and less selfless. And by the way, I am I talk I'm talking too much. This is what I do. I, no, the, I, dude, you're the guest on the pot. This is exactly what you're supposed to do. The um, I I'm super grateful to you. Um, that we're doing this little run together because this is one of the things that has sort of pulled me out of being like soft retired and the, and then now I have like a whole tour booked out to Ohio in December, some fucking killer shows with some oh, awesome shit. people and then touring back um, the, and also you and I have both uh, unselfconsciously set the stage for us to have a completely horrible trip the we both relapsed the first night fist fight <laughs> these are called the, um is there anything that you want to plug the obviously you have the the upcoming show at my place do you have other stuff going on you want to plug i mean not not really you know i'm <laughs> I, I mean i'm going to be in boise at lounge at the end of the universe you know, the 15th of december for the weekend and but i, I like no, not really. I mean, even then, <laughs> that's it. That's uh, like come to that if you're in Boise. But uh, no, I, I, yeah, I'm just I'm excited about the week. We have those shows coming yeah. up. That's like, you know, that's yeah. the nearest in my mind. And I, I forget everything else I have going on. This is a constant problem with me. Is I, uh, my sister in law does all of my web stuff and my calendar, and she's constantly like, uh, she'll be like, why did you just you just did this weekend? at a club and we didn't put it on the website. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I totally forgot. I did like, I, I, I need like a person, like an adult to like do that stuff for me, but it's never going to happen. 
So I like the most important things to me are the things that are like within like a week. <laughs> like, ah, this thing coming up is the most important thing. This That's going to be the, the re- best dinner ever. The, I remember it, but I, 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 think, I mean, I know we're going to have a good time and I know that like, um, I like, we won't like, I we're, we're going to have amazing conversations and then, yeah. uh, and we're going to play some music probably. I imagine. Hell yeah. I'm going to throw all my guitars at you one after another. The, um, oh, headstock funny. first. It's funny because the I you know I comics love to uh love to talk about their their stuff and promote and I've done several podcasts with people where I was like they're just wait for them the money shot is the at the end of the podcast do you have somebody to plug and never once have I had somebody be like nope not really that this is it that was, that's the whole thing that I I came years ago that was that was <laughs> yeah, then. that was it that was two thousand seven come on. The, I feel um, like uh, the, the you know the, who am I? If you if you like what you hear, uh, go to uh, there's many places you can find me. Yes. You know, and and it's unfortunate for you that you'll also see the other aspects of my personality uh, <laughs> and hear my political beliefs. But but I you know I music is like I think that's going to be the thing that probably you know, moves me sideways out of stand-up because I'm working on an album. Oh, awesome. You know, of, of actual, like, you know, it's been years since I've actually had the freedom or the opportunity to, like, sit down and and finally, like, get all this shit out of my head. And it feels like it's been pressing. Like, it's been wanting to come out for years, but I just have, like, been, nope, I'm putting you on the back burner because I'm focused on stand-up and touring and now my brain is like we can do whatever we want we're 52 yeah yeah Yeah, exactly you know we're we're now on the down the other side of the slope we're now sliding downhill into mortality and so we got to put this shit out as soon as possible yeah the um We'll we'll uh, we'll spin demos on one of the drives because I have a I have a bunch of new shit uh, to play for you and love to hear what you're working on the Derek Dude, thank you so much for fucking for doing the podcast. Thanks so much for coming out here. Oh. That we're doing these shows. It's thanks it's for having me. Thanks so much for putting this together too, and having me on the podcast. I, I you know, I, I never know what I, I'm always. I talk too much because I'm over caffeinated and inconfident. So <laughs> those two things are a lethal combination for someone who lives a quiet life. Like, huh, <laughs> <laughs> open me up. I, I won't. Sh- I won't stop. Oh, the um. Well, thanks a ton for doing it. And I will, I'll see you at the airport soon. Yeah. I'll see you next week. Awesome. Uh, and I, I'm just going to bring my guitar. I'm probably not. Cause it's too big to carry on. And I figure we've, well, you'll have some guitars. I have like 50 guitars here, dude. You've got more than enough. Awesome. All right. I'll see you soon, brother. I'll see you soon. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye. Bye. Folks. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh there's a million podcasts out there. We appreciate you. Uh, you spending your time with us. The um, if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh, annoy you, piss you off, um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes song demos just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations all sorts of different uh, bonus material writing advice 
uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers. And there's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, thank you so much for supporting. <laughs>